Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that flips through the pages of history to deliver old news in a new way. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at how a book of inspirational prose poems by a little-known author became one of the best-selling books of the entire 20th century. The day was September 23rd, 1923. Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, a volume of romantic prose poetry, hit bookstore shelves for the first time. It was the fourth book by the Lebanese-American author and was by far his most successful. The first print run of 1,200 copies sold out in a month, and against the odds, The Prophet only rose in popularity from there. By 1957, one million copies had been sold. And as of 2022, the number now stands at well over 10 million. And that's just for the American edition. The Prophet has been translated into more than a hundred different languages, which makes it one of the most translated books of all time. Its global success made Khalil Gibran the third best-selling poet in history, just behind William Shakespeare and Lao Tzu. And since its original publication in 1923, the Prophet has never gone out of print. That's quite a pedigree for a slim volume of poetry that most people have probably never heard of. So let's talk a little about how it all happened. Khalil Gibran was born in the village of Bishari in Ottoman Syria, now known as Lebanon, on January 6, 1883. 
He emigrated to Boston as a child, but returned to his homeland at the age of 15 to study Arabic literature at the Collège des Sagesse. After graduating with honors, he traveled to Paris, where he trained as a painter at l'Académie Julien. An accomplished visual artist, Gibran went on to produce more than 700 original works in his lifetime, including portraits of other writers and artists, such as Yeats, Young, and Rodin. In 1904, when he was 21 years old, Gibran exhibited some of his own drawings for the first time at a studio in Boston. There, he was introduced to a woman named Mary Haskell, the headmistress of a local private school for girls. She was known for her progressive views and for her patronage of up-and-coming artists. She took an interest in Gibran's art, paying for his further education in Paris and helping to arrange more showings of his work in Boston. That same year, Khalil Gibran also found success with writing when one of his prose poems was published in Arabic by the expatriate Arab Press newspaper in New York. Gibran continued to create art and publish Arabic poetry for the next 14 years. Along the way, he grew closer with Mary Haskell, who became not only his patron but his confidant and eventually his lover. Gibran also began to write in English during this period, with Haskell serving as his editor. It was with her guidance and networking connections that Gibran was able to submit his first English collection of poems to New York publisher Alfred A. Knopf. That book, 1918's The Madman, featured proverbs and parables written in a style that blended poetry and prose, unusual for Arabic literature. It sold well enough for such a collection, especially one by an unestablished author. Knopf agreed to publish two more of Gibran's collections, one in 1919 and one in 1920. Those two did decent business, so Knopf expressed interest in publishing a fourth collection. It was three years before Gibran handed in his next book, The Prophet, but for Knopf and readers, it was well worth the wait. Although it consists of just 26 prose poems and illustrations, The Prophet covers a lot of terrain, speaking on weighty topics such as beauty, love, marriage, parenting, friendship, reason and passion, work, and death, just to name a few. These central aspects of human life are presented through the use of a simple narrative frame. In a fictional foreign city, an exiled prophet named Al-Mustafa prepares to board a ship that will finally take him home after 12 long years. As the ship approaches, the townspeople lament his imminent departure. They implore him to soften the blow by imparting words of wisdom about the great mysteries of life. The prophet obliges. On the subject of marriage, he tells them, quote, Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts, and stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. On the topic of children, the prophet says, You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. And on pain, he says, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding, even as the stone of the fruit must break that its heart may stand in the sun, so must you know pain. 
Alfred Knopf did not have high expectations for Gibran's latest book of romantic humanist poetry. His work had never been that strong a seller, and this was his fourth such collection. There was little to suggest it would perform any better or worse than his previous books, so it came as quite the shock when the first printing sold out in a matter of weeks. The second printing, though considerably larger, disappeared almost as quickly, and so did the next one, and the one after that. Knopf had only advertised the book one time, yet sales continued to grow from one year to the next thanks to word of mouth. By the 1960s, as many as 5,000 copies of The Prophet were sold in the U.S. each week. Knopf never came to grips with the book's success. He did have a colorful theory about its readers, though. He said, quote, It must be a cult, but I have never met any of its members. I haven't met five people who have read Gibran. There was no cult, but the book's spiritual component was a major part of its appeal. The Prophet debuted and then picked up steam during a time when many Americans were turning away from religious fundamentalism. The Prophet offered them a form of spiritual counsel that wasn't tied to any specific religion or deity, but that still sounded like a religious text. You probably noticed in the excerpts I read that Gibran composed his poems in a rather archaic style for the 1920s. Phrases like, For only the hand of life, and so must you know pain, bring to mind popular translations of the Christian Bible, which makes the writing sound older than it really is. The poems are also presented as the teachings of a wise, holy prophet, and as a result, they read a lot like sermons. Lastly, the concise, aphoristic style of the writing makes it highly quotable, just like a religious verse or proverb. Those features provided a sense of familiarity to American readers, making it feel like less of a leap to explore spirituality outside of organized religion. Because of that ease of entry, the prophet continued to resonate with readers for generations, from the Great Depression to World War II, and then into the 1960s when it was embraced as the Bible of the counterculture. Khalil Gibran never got to see the full scope of the effect he had on American society. He was 40 years old when the prophet was released, and he died just eight years later from cirrhosis of the liver. He published nine books in Arabic and eight in English during his lifetime. His Arabic works were largely met with critical acclaim, and they continue to be admired and taught as some of the greatest works of 20th century Arabic literature. His English works were also widely embraced by readers, but most critics in the West never saw the appeal. They dismissed the prophet as sentimental and simplistic a bunch of hokey mysticism and reheated platitudes. That opinion took root in American academia, and as a result, the prophet has never been widely viewed as quote-unquote serious literature. Nevertheless, millions of people read the book anyway, and most of them had a much different view of it than critics. The distinctive beauty of its language and the sincere conviction of its ideas struck a chord with an unusually broad audience. What they read gave them comfort and stuck with them. They applied its ideas to their own lives, and they passed those ideas on to friends and loved ones. Some readers even started using passages from the prophet to mark key events in their lives, like weddings, funerals, and graduations. Not many other 20th century poets achieved that level of ubiquity, 
So even though it does sound a little culty when you spell it all out, the Prophet seems to have done some real good for a lot of people. Gibran once said the entire point of the book was to tell readers, quote, you are far, far greater than you know, and all is well. That may be too simplistic a message for some, but for people struggling to find a path through difficult times, the Prophet was, and still is, a welcome ray of hope. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman. And Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at lightsoutxf.com. And we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to lightsoutxf.com.